touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Jonathan Strickland, and joining me, as always, is Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we wanted to talk about blogs. Blogs. Yeah. Um, exactly. You know what? What are they? How they get started? Kinda. I mean, it's 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 a difficult thing to talk about because it's sort of a a trend, and really, it's a, it was a lot easier to identify after it had become a thing. Uh, right. And it's it's really a big thing. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them out there. It's basically changed the way that we participate in and consume news media. Yep. And uh, and even uh, pursue interests that are outside the news, things that aren't necessarily what, what I guess the mainstream would consider newsworthy, but depending upon your interests might be very relevant to you. Right. So very specific types of uh, interest groups have their own types of blogs, and um, they cover just about every subject. And really, when you think about it, this is an extension of something that people have been doing for centuries, which is mostly just recording their own thoughts. Yeah, I think I think that for yeah millennia, in fact, it's yeah. about how long people have been doing that. You yeah. know, caves, the original blogs, maybe. Right. Right. The cave blogs. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. uh, but but digital blogs as we know them, uh, it actually kills me thinking about this because I sort of grew up using them. I mean, not not when I was a child, but certainly through high school and college because they started in about 1997. And this is one of those times when I'm about to see Jonathan's eye start twitching because that that is not when he was growing up necessarily. I was but, uh, I got married in '97. Uh, yeah. But no, but, no but, and to be fair, before anyone starts writing in and saying, "Hey, I know that there were blogs that existed before 1997," of course. But that is that is the first time that that someone called a dated personal content update a weblog. Right, weblog. So, so like in the documentary series Star Trek, where you had the captain's log, where the captain would keep a log of the events that were going on, uh, usually with some sort of snarky comment directed at some poor crew member who may or may not have been known as Wesley Crusher, then um, you know, you know, it's the same sort of thing, except in this case, it was, generally speaking, at least in the early days, uh, a, a sort of a personal diary kind of thing that you just you wanted to share with a, a larger audience. Or maybe a collection of links to things of interest that you had found around the internet, uh, you know, a, a little bit of curation going on there sure, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but the person who coined this term was Jorn Barger of Robot Wisdom. Okay. Important, and that was December seventeenth, actually. And what wow. I what I what I loved about doing this episode is that the dates are so concrete because it was on the internet and it was necessarily recorded, and so everything is extremely clear cut. It's much easier than, for example, when we were researching Tesla and everything was kind of like, "Oh, this thing happened." Yeah, it was nineteen twenty seven ish. Yeah, yeah, and 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 before you uh, start asking, well, I, I'll ask Lauren. Lauren, so where did blog? come from a blog came a little bit later i think uh maybe maybe in 99 peter merholtz joked that he was going to pronounce it uh we blog in in, in instead right instead and of a weblog weblog it's weblog blog because it was becoming a community and so yeah so that was shortened down to blog and then bloggers were born right. and and of course we have variations on this already i mean there are people who do video versions of a blog video logs vlogs yeah, vlogs and then of course Felicia Day, the internet darling, uh, a wonderful person. I've met her a couple times. Very nice lady. Lovely. Uh, and uh, she has her own uh, video log that she calls a flog. 
for Fel- Felicia's log. Not uh, that she actually flogs people. As far as I know, she has not done that in an episode. Well, not, not, not on the air. I'm, I'm going to stop conjecturing yeah. about Felicia Day. I haven't I, seen every single episode, so I can't say for certain, but none of the ones I watched involved any actual flogging. <laughs> um, but, but moving back have, into the history of blogging. I'm sorry, you just shorted out my entire my entire brain with that one. Yeah, um, but it, uh, it happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back back into back into the history there. Um, but long before Felicia Day was was doing whatever it is that she does on her her own uh, flogs, uh, Peter Merholtz, 1999, coined the term, and 1999 was also the year that basically blogging as we know it sort of launched. Uh, uh, Pyra released Blogger. That's uh, Ev Williams and Meg. Hmm, Horahan? Does that sound like a way that you might pronounce that name? That's that's how I would pronounce it, so. Excellent. Uh, Grok Soup launched. Uh, Brad Fitzpatrick started LiveJournal. Uh, a a few of those really basic, original, big ones. Yeah, the big platforms. And these were important tools because, you know, I I know it's hard for people to imagine it now, people who, who weren't using the web when it first started. Uh, and it's, it's something that you don't run into these days. But when, when web pages were first a thing, they tended to be static. So you would create a web page and you wouldn't really change it very much because for one thing, it was a real hassle to do it. Oh, sure. You might add a page or you might update it, you know, once every once in a while to include new information, but it certainly wasn't daily. Right. It wasn't, and it wasn't a log, right? You right. Were, you were generally either replacing something that was already there or you might add a paragraph, but you're not creating a log of, a, of, of entries. You are just editing one page over and over or maybe adding another page like a link you might link to a second page or whatever but it, it was not easy to record a series of events because the tools weren't there so in 1999 you start seeing the development of these tools and the distribution of these tools that make it easier for people to have this outlet to to communicate right before then even if you did want to create a log you could certainly do so yourself but you had to code it yourself. And so only people who were pretty well familiar with uh, web programming la- languages were going to be doing that. Right. Yeah. And and this is, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's easy for us to take for granted now. But trust me, if you had been surfing the web back when I was first starting the web, and I know some of my listeners, I know you guys were there with me. It was just such a totally different world. It was, it was impossible for me to think of, based on my first web page, that I would be able to have uh, an outlet that would allow me to update so frequently and seamlessly. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess it's a good good thing to point out that blogs tend to have a similar uh, uh, structure in the sense that whatever was the most recent post tends to be at the top of whatever the blog is. Right. And then uh, the earlier posts are chronologically ordered in reverse order. Right. So the earliest blog post is at the bottom of the chain. So it might be several pages back, depending upon the layout of the blog. Mm-hmm. Now, Lauren, uh, I didn't ask you this before the the podcast. Excellent pub quiz. Did you have a live journal account? I, in fact, did have a live journal account. I created mine in 2003. I, you know, I don't even know when I created mine. I, I can't remember the last time I logged into mine. I logged into mine while researching this article, and that was the first time that I had logged in. I, I switched from uh, from live journal to blogger uh, maybe around 2007, I yeah. want to say. Well, li- live journal 
the last time I remember looking at it, it looked like it had really started to lose a lot of the community that was there. I mean, obviously, I was not the only person to have drifted away from that platform. But I do remember back in the day that LiveJournal was one of those places that uh, almost all of my friends had an account there. In fact, yeah, me too. uh, You know, a, a lot of us didn't have access to things when they first came out, like Facebook, because we were not in college. And Facebook was reserved just for college students in the early days. And, right, right. And, and Facebook wasn't a blogging platform either. Oh, right. Yeah. I think uh, when I first got on Facebook, and I didn't, I, I also didn't get on Facebook until only just a couple of years ago, actually, really like 2009, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but when I was first using it, I feel like a lot of people were moving there from LiveJournal and therefore were using it like they were using LiveJournal. They were posting a lot more notes and more long-form content. And and over time, I think that that's really shortened down to to the sort of micro-blogging that's occurring today. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that when we get into what the state of the blogosphere is today. But uh, yeah, in those early days, it was really exciting because what this blogging world did was it opened up the world of publishing, in a way, online yeah. publishing, to an, an enormous crowd, a it, huge audience. It gave voices to people who you who you might never have read anything from before. And right. also let you, uh, it, it wasn't until 1998 that Open Diary launched, which started really allowing people to comment on other people's blogs. Before then, it was a little bit the way that Tumblr is today. Like, you might see something and then take that link and repost it and post your own comments about it and start a conversation that way. But it wasn't it wasn't until 1998 that it was really um, that there were tools out there for for incorporating comments into right, that sort of thing to create a dialogue, a dialogue as, as right. opposed to just shouting into the the atmosphere and hoping people are hearing you. Right. Um, yeah, and that's another really key component to what makes blogs so uh, enduring. And uh, you know what was also interesting to me is that blogs were being used not just by by folks like like me and you Lauren before we were you know big time podcast stars oh yeah uh, they were being used by you know by by actual celebrities or by writers journalists people who already had outlets but they were using blogs to express themselves in ways that they might not otherwise be able to or to provide more context to whatever it was they were doing uh we even began to see early early on companies get interested in blogs. It became a a possible outlet for a company to have a dialogue with either customers or potential customers. Uh, Right. Uh, The same way that it gave people that you might have never listened to uh, a face on the Internet, it also gave companies kind of latched onto it and said, like, hey, we can use this to to allow people to see us at a more ground level, a more human level. Yeah. And and in fact, a lot of companies, uh, especially in the tech sector, which Again, should be a, no surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the tech sector, a lot of companies began to uh, allow their their employees to blog and even created or provided tools for them to do so. Not that it was a compulsory thing, but they were allowed to. And they didn't necessarily have to blog about what it was they were doing. So it wasn't like a corporate sponsored, you need to go out here and message that this next product that we're coming out with is awesome and let people know. It was more like, no, if we give them the tools, they'll... They'll they'll do it. They'll, they'll do just it themselves. Go. Yeah, they'll... Mm-hmm. they'll Talk about what they're interested in. Occasionally, that might be something that we are specifically doing. But if it's not, that's okay. And uh, and so it really helped engender the spirit of blogging. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think that 
I don't think that the original creators of all of this expected it to to grow in such a ridiculous way. Um, I've, I've got a quote from from Meg, from Meg Horahan, and I really hope that's how you say her name. Uh, she said, uh, "We joked about the idea that people could start change in faraway places and revolutionary things would happen, but to see that it's actually happening, I get a thrill. I see it everywhere. Yeah, and and that's that's so much fun. I mean, that's and and to really understand why blogging is important and to understand its impact." All you really have to do, you know, we've been talking about 1997, 98, 99. Well, we all know what happened in 2000. That's the dot-com crash. Right. So you have all these big web companies that uh, started up and, uh, and, and they had inflated stock prices. Uh, they didn't have proven revenue generating models. There were all these issues that, that combined to make a bubble that burst. And then you had the dot-com crash. And as a result, lots of different companies went under. This is also the dividing line between what some people call Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. Now, those are mainly buzz- marketing terms. Marketing sure. terms, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's an O'Reilly thing. It, it, it's, it's sort of like a buzzword, but but it, it does give you a useful shorthand to talk about certain aspects of web pages that became um, uh, more important than others. So, for example, uh, the old static. Formula that web page that you put up and you only occasionally tweak, but you don't really have any dynamic elements on it. Right. That was shown to not be a very viable, uh, long-lasting strategy. It was much more interesting to have a dynamic kind of web page where things were changing. It gave people a reason to return to that website. It gave which a, gives you more ad revenue, by uh, the way. Yes, that, <laughs> and and I mean, obviously, money is one of those things that's underlying all this. But mm-hmm. even beyond that, it it, it creates. That amazing thing that all companies strive for, engagement, Mm -hmm. where people are willfully coming to your (laughs) website and engaging with you, hopefully in a positive way. And so the blogs show they they had these elements built in, like there was the uh, element of expression. You are able to blog about whatever you like. You can change uh, dynamically. You can update several times a day or, or a week or whatever, however your schedule allows. And like you were pointing out, Lauren, the, the, the commenting feature was a huge part of what Web 2.0 is all about. It's this idea that there is a dialogue. It's not just a one-way communication. Uh, another company that we talked about recently, Amazon, yeah. one, of, one of the reasons that, that people cite it as a, as a survivor of the dot-com crash was because it had that re- customer review it section. It had user comments, yeah. Yeah, which that that's one of those elements that is uh, uh, often associated with Web 2.0. So blogging was really kind of a, a, a an ideal representation of what Web 2.0 was all about. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the, the trend was not only surviving through the dot-com crash era, it was thriving. Right. So unlike the traditional websites that uh, that that did not do so well, or, or the startup companies that ended up floundering, mm-hmm. uh, blogging continued to do pretty well. And we're going to talk in a second all about how it blossomed from that little bitty plant of promise back in 2000 Uh into the enormous industry it is today. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. 
Okay, so back to the discussion about blogging. So around 2000, we had the dot-com crash, and uh, and blogging makes its way through, mainly because, again, this is a user-generated sort of platform. It's, yeah. it's not reliant on some other company, other other than the fact that the platforms themselves were developed by other companies. Right, but, you know, and someone has to host that web space, and, uh, yeah. and, and there was all kinds of advertising that was worked in uh, yeah, slowly yeah. over the years. Right. But, so in 2003, Google acquired Pyro, which again were the people who had launched Blogger. Okay. And they they actually made Blogger uh free to use at that point, right? Oh, uh, right. I think before then, uh, well th- there had been pay tiers. I think uh. most most blogging uh platforms had pay tiers. There there was some kind of free for use thing and then a premium user sort premium of premium users experience. could get extra space, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right, right. Um well, yeah, that, and that was huge. I mean, with Google behind the the company that created Blogger, then that meant that uh, it definitely raised the visibility even beyond what it already was. Yeah, it it, it raised the visibility enough that by two thousand four, um, there were about ten million blogs in action around the world, um, and blog, in fact, became Merriam-Webster's Word of the Year. It was so it was you know it was a buzzword. It was everyone was was kind of participating in this. Uh, it was the year of the uh, U.S. presidential election, and both major political parties gave credentials to bloggers at their conventions. Well, we'll get into some discussions about blogging versus journalism, I'm sure, because there are a lot of discussions to be had, uh, keeping in mind that some journalists are bloggers. and oh, some certainly. Some bloggers have graduated, if you want to call it, to, or maybe it's a lateral move. It's a lateral move. It's a different thing. There's, well, that's the thing is that, that to be a blogger, you just need a platform. Right. Now, to be a great blogger, you need lots of talent. You need a voice and, and thoughts. And exactly. Uh, but you, but really, just to be a blogger, anyone with a, access to a platform can be a blogger. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, but to be a blogger who who creates newsworthy or, or at least information that is interesting to read and is useful, then you have to have this talent and ability. Um, and and journalists, true journalists, if we're using the word the way it was meant to be used have to go through quite a bit of training to get to a point where they are able to craft a story properly. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that, uh, that that I idealize journalists or anything. I don't consider myself a journalist. I'm a writer. I'm not a journalist. I, I don't um, think even I, I don't think I'm even a writer. I mean, you know, it's, it's I read some cool stuff online and then I say it to you guys in, <laughs> in hope, hopefully relatively pretty ways. But but, but yeah, there, there is a difference, right? Journalism, especially if you're talking about investigative journalism, there, mm-hmm. there's a very specific set of skills that go along along with that. And it's a discipline. Oh, and, absolutely. And, uh, I, I, I dropped out of journalism school. So, <laughs> so you you know about it. You, uh-huh. you you lack all the discipline you need because you didn't go because all I the did way not. through. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I never went to journalism school. And yet I was occasionally put into the role of journalist. And I learned how hard that job is. And so there's there's... Not, I don't know if it's as pronounced now as it used to be, but I remember the first time I went to CES, there's the reporters section, the uh-huh. press section, and then they had a blogger lounge. And your badge determined which of those you went into, whether it was the press lounge or the blogger lounge. And it just felt like there was this crazy division there. Some class division. I'm, I'm picturing free martinis and and, yeah. and sorts of things and, and the press side and, and I you got, know, Fritos I got, and the... Yeah, exactly. I got the press badge. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so I was in the press section and and I didn't know any better. I didn't know blogging from journalism. I was a, I was a writer for How Stuff Works, which mm-hmm. was, you know, writing articles. 
but even then, I felt like there was a bit of classism there. Um, I think that might be less so today. And part of that's the changing nature of blogging. And, and again, we'll talk about that. But 2004, when you know, the, that era you're talking about, that was also the same year that Technorati uh, released their State of the Blogosphere report. Uh, right. Well, uh, around around that election, um, Rathergate happened. And this was when, I don't know if you remember this or not, but this this is when um, CBS wound up redacting a, a report that had been made off of unauthenticated documents after blogs challenged it. And that's crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's wonderful. I mean, that is driving investigative journalism. Well, and and there was also the year that we saw, started seeing uh, reports on events before the mainstream media picked it up. Right. So bloggers would, especially for very very niche oriented blogs, there was um, there were these blog blogs that were all about uh, bicycles, right? Okay. So they're all about bicycling. You wouldn't think that this would be a blog that would break a news story. Probably not. But they did. Back in 2003, 2004, uh, there's a, a bike lock company, uh, and they create a, a product called Kryptonite. And back at this time, that particular lock, this Kryptonite lock, it was discovered that you could pick the lock using uh, pretty handily available materials and mm-hmm. without too much trouble. This is a huge deal. I mean, this yeah. is a company that's marketing its product as being something to secure your bike. And anyone who owns a bike knows, like, these can be really expensive. Oh, yeah. And, 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 uh, very attractive targets for thieves. So, uh, when that information broke in the blogs, it was in the blogosphere for like a week before the mainstream media picked up oh, the wow. story. So we're already seeing, even in these early days, that blogs are playing a role in breaking the news, not just, you know, regurgitating it, which is, again, another common perception of blogs is that they'll, they'll look at some news report. They're only re-reporting everything. Right, right. And not, you know, not adding any other commentary because that's not what people do all the time on yeah, the internet. Yeah, that's not, that's not entirely true. But, uh. Um, but so, so what did, what did this Technorati report, this first? The, inaugural. The first thing it said was that the first inaugural. <laughs> the first thing it said was that from June 2003 to October 2004, the number of blogs increased by a factor of eight, eight times the number of blogs. Oh wow! So okay. so in in uh, uh you know a year's time essentially, um and that they reported that twelve thousand new blogs were being created each day. Wow. Not blog posts. Blogs. Blogs. Uh, so it That's said is an averagely it averaged out to a new blog created every 7.4 seconds. 400,000 posts were being created each day, which averages out to 4.6 uh uh posts per second. So not, you know, not every 4.6 seconds. 4.6 posts every second were going up. Now they did also point out that just under half of the blogs that they were tracking, um, about 45% of them had not had an update in the last three months, okay. which that's, that's another, another facet of blogging is that it's something that a lot of people get into and they experiment with and then, and then uh, maybe lose interest. With. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not everyone, obviously, but there's, sure. there's, it's definitely one of those things that a lot of people try and then a smaller percentage stick with it. Sure. And, and with any, with any daily journaling kind of habit, I think, you know, it takes what, like 66 days of doing something in a row before your brain really like an average of, of that before your brain really kicks into a habit. So. Something, something like that yeah mm-hmm. and and most bloggers even today if you follow the the different uh, metrics that Technorati 
uh, uh, ends up following don't blog once a day. Mm-hmm. They're blogging maybe three times a week. So you, you know you're talking about it takes even longer for you to build that in if it's it's something you actually have to think about. It's not right. something that you're just you know compelled to do. But yeah, that, that there were some interesting things from that first uh, state of the blogosphere. Their last, by the way, state of the blogosphere was uh, in 2011, and the reason why. That was the last one is that the nature of blogging was changing so much that Technorati came to the conclusion that calling the report the state of the blogosphere was no longer truly accurate or valid. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was just that, that it doesn't encompass what's really going on because social networking has caused such a huge uh, disruption mm-hmm. in the way that that individuals and companies and organizations approach online interaction mm-hmm. that Blogging is, was too narrow a focus. Right. However, in that 2011 report, uh, they identified bloggers and they put them into five categories. Okay. So your five categories of bloggers are hobbyists, ding, part-time professionals, ding, full-time professionals, ding, corporate, ding, and entrepreneurs, ding. And so uh, out of those five different types, they said that the hobbyists were the vast majority. They represented 60% of the blogging population. Okay. So these are people with personal blogs. Uh, it may be about their own lives. It may be about their community. It may be about a specific interest they have. But uh, it's it's a hobby. It's not their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part-time and full-time professionals, uh, they were uh, only – getting a, a small amount of money from blogging. Like in almost every case, blogging was not their prime source of income. Oh, right, right. Because that's really difficult. I, for example, you know, I've had that blogger blog for a few years. I have made a grand total of, I think, $22.08 on advertising on it. So. Well, you're, you are below the average. <laughs> uh, the mean, well, I should say you're below the mean. The mean income non-salary. Mm-hmm. So this is this is someone who's making money from their blog, but they're, it's not a sal- it's not part of their their professional role. Okay. So it's, you can't, because otherwise you'd have to figure out like, well, what percentage of your salary is that? Mm-hmm. And that would be impossible. But, but for people who were making money directly from blogging, the mean salary in 2011, $17,101. So 17 grand a year. Well, I mean, you know, that's, that's not good, but you know, <laughs> next, next to my $22, that's pretty okay, impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, and, and granted, I blog, you know, maybe I, you can, you can go find it if you really want to. It's, I blog maybe three times a year these days. So I assume that they are posting more often than that, but. Right, right. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the other elements of the report that were kind of interesting to me, uh, the 2011 report were that, uh, so the professional bloggers were about 18% of the overall blogging population. Uh, corporate bloggers about eight percent, um, and that could be that you know, it was corporate bloggers were identified as people who blogging was part of their job, but it mm-hmm. was probably not the primary uh, job role they had. It was just sure. something they had in addition to everything else they do. Right. I, I imagine, especially by 2011, more people were being hired on as uh, social media experts. Uh, as an umbrella rather than just bloggers. I don't know how you would come to that conclusion, <laughs> you social media editor. You. I know, it's crazy. Uh, the entrepreneurs made up about 13%. So corporate, 8%. Entrepreneurs, 13%. But then you think, okay, well, if you are someone who's who – your your role is to create new business. Like you are 
a visionary who's out there to try and uh, build something that did not exist before. Blogging is a great outlet to be able to co- connect with people. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It lets you get your personality out there and kind of build yourself into that, you know, hopefully rock star status that people are going to want your products because they're your products, not just because they're cool products. I mean, hopefully that too. But Right, right. Yeah, to identify with like a, a particular lifestyle or personality type, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and they, Technorati also broke down some demographics. Uh, this is all based off surveys that Te- Technorati put out too. So when I give these percentages, it's based upon the survey responses they received. Sure. They may not be truly Actual. reflective of mm-hmm. reality, right? Uh, but, uh, but out of the people res- who responded, three-fifths of them were male. So, uh, so more than half of the respondents are male. Uh, and most of them were between the ages of 25 and 44. One third of them were over 44. So, uh, not as many younger bloggers, uh, and in fact, that might be an interesting thing to watch in the future to see if blogging becomes less important over time as the, as the population ages, because it may be that younger people don't pick up blogging at all and they adopt some other format. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about some of that. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you, just just another quick fact in there. Um, as of 2010, according to uh, Pew Internet Research, blogging was in decline among 12 to 33-year-olds, but on the rise among 34 to 45-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And uh, it, it says uh, the, the 2011 report from Technorati, I'm going to quote directly here. It said, a large number of respondents who are blogging more are driven by both personal and professional benefits to do so. Along with their interactions with their audience, many corporate bloggers, 64%, and entrepreneurs, 73%, say they are blogging more because it has proven to be valuable for promoting their business and also valuable to their profession, which is 60% of respondents. And, and that they noticed that people who said they were not blogging as much mainly cited the reason of uh, I need more time. Yeah. Like it's, it takes up so much time, and I don't want to sacrifice that time. I need to spend time with my family mm-hmm. for those people who, you know, value that. Uh, yeah. You know. I, don't, I don't know any of those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I need to spend more time on Twitter, or I need to spend I more time working. I just visit my wife's blog at this my- <laughs> point is what I do. Um, anyway, that I found it really an interesting report, uh, especially when you start breaking down those demographics. And uh, now, today, they have – Technorati does a new kind of report. It's not – again, not called the State of the Blogosphere anymore. Now it's called the Digital Influence Report. Okay. And they identify uh, entities, whether they are people or organizations or whatever, that they call influencers. And then they look at how the influencers are using various outlets on the Internet to connect to their audiences. And blogging is one of those outlets. It's not the only one. Uh, it's still one of the, the most popular ones that are being used by companies right now. And, uh, it's interesting to me. I was looking at their, their, uh, statistics. Uh, they say that 88% of the top influencers blog for themselves. So even if they're not blogging for their company or whatever, mm-hmm. right, they are, they do maintain a blog. And out of the ones who are blogging, 52% of them have more than one blog, but Fewer than six, so between between two and five blogs, okay, yeah, uh, that they maintain themselves, and um, and out of all the people who are blogging, eighty six percent of them prefer to use text still to blog, so mm-hmm. they're still writing out these posts. Ten uh, percent use video, so video blogging, while I think of it as being this huge thing, only a, a tiny percentage 
of all bloggers are really using it. I'm kind of the opposite. I always think of it as a very fringe sort of thing, but but that's because I don't like my computer to make noise at me. So yeah, I, I don't listen. I don't watch. I don't watch as many videos as I, perhaps. I think it's because I know a lot of video bloggers at this point, and so it's it's just it's just it's, sample size. Yeah, yeah, sure. it's just always in front of me. So mm-hmm. that's why that's why I think of it as being you know a larger thing. And then only four uh, percent use audio. So. Oh wow. We're in a we're in an elite few. Yeah, Although what we do is not really blogging. Oh, right? No, no, it's not. It's it's not. It's well, it's probably more personal than than a lot of you guys want to hear sometimes. Yeah, I but, apologize uh, for that. <laughs> but 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 actually, I mean, you know, the the entire point of blogging is personal. Uh, way back in two thousand six, Time named their person of the year you. Yeah, I remember. Based I remember on. people getting a little snarky about that. <laughs> What would the people on the internet got snarky? Well, not just on the internet, okay. but yes, particularly on the internet, yes. But it was not restricted to the internet. Well, sure, but you know, just just as a kind of signpost of of how big it was then. I I think that that the fact that that, that a publication like Time picking that up is yeah. well, it was it was our time. Literally. I'm just going to I'm sh- I'm shaking my head. I there should be some kind of sound effect for when Lauren shakes her head. That time was on our side. Oh. Yes, it was. <laughs> it just makes me think that you're that demon from Fallen. This is bad. This oh, is wow. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a long time. I Speaking hope... of time, sorry for the, all that. That was a ridiculous uh, uh, little uh, tangent. But, yeah, the, the the changing nature of blogging is, is happening right now. I mean, uh, we're seeing lots of other products coming out that are making blogging uh, transformative. Oh, uh, sure. So things like Tumblr. Oh yeah, yeah, which uh, which debuted in uh, 2007, I believe. Yes, so, it was founded then. Yeah, it's it's actually been around for a, a few year, quite a few years now when you think about it. But it's it's I'm like I really wasn't aware of Tumblr. I mean, this makes me a terrible tech guy, right? But mm-hmm. I wasn't really aware of it until a couple of years ago. I um, I don't I don't have data on when I on when I launched. I think I probably launched my first Tumblr around 2011. I think the same year that I went to WordPress. So ah uh, yes. Another uh, another platform that a lot of bloggers have adopted. The, the interesting thing I find about a lot of the platforms you see today are that they give you a great deal of flexibility in how your your blog appears to the uh, to the viewer. So you aren't you know when we think back to the live journal days, there was only so much customization you could do. Mm-hmm. Like and, it, and you could code your own if you wanted to. You could always get back into the HTML and, and do what you wanted if you knew how to do that. Yeah. But, or the same. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, yeah. Once you got back into the back end, you could you could uh, alter it a bit. But even even with that, there was a certain kind of structure that you know when you saw it, you'd think, oh, they must be using LiveJournal. Oh, of course. You know, yeah. but but when you get into some of the modern blogging tools, uh, you might visit a site and have you know not even realize that it's built on one of these platforms because they are that versatile. Yeah, there are uh there are actually 61,793,114 WordPress sites currently on the internet. I bet that I bet that number changed between the time you said it and the <laughs> time that people heard it. I'm absolutely sure. I mean, and to be fair, a lot of those are corporate. I mean, we ourselves have a couple of corporate WordPress sites sure. here how stuff works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh and so I mean, it's clearly really revolutionized this whole process. And then you have other tools out there too, like Pinterest, which isn't really a blogging it's not platform. Quite blogging, yeah. You know, it, it allows you to post new things and to comment on other people's posts. Kind of, sort of. It's it's mostly um, kind of meme sharing a little kind, bit. And kind I, of. I think that you know, I don't know. It's it's the, the the state of blogging is very 
very short these days. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people want to be able to do things very quickly mm-hmm. and to consume things very quickly, I think. Yeah. And so you, you do have some pretty big sites that have uh, that, that are a cross between a blog and, say, an online magazine. So that they're updating more frequently than a magazine would. You know, a traditional magazine, you think of it coming out on a monthly, monthly basis. Bi-monthly, yeah, sure. something like that. But then you've got uh, websites out there that have really flashy uh, 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 interfaces and design. And so they kind of give you that magazine feel, but they're updating on a daily basis, multiple times a day. So I'm thinking of things like The Verge. Which sure. is an example I use all the time, but it's because I, I genuinely go to that site a lot. It's very, it's very well done. And, um, and so, you know, it has elements of blogging in it. Uh, I wouldn't call everyone there, you know, uh, uh, just a, a straight up blogger. Some of them, you know, maybe the term journalist is more relevant. I mean, and here's another interesting thing I found out about blogging. A lot of the people who responded to the surveys in Technorati identified themselves as being uh, people who had worked in traditional media at some point. Um, Like 55% of professional full-time bloggers and half of all corporate bloggers said that they had worked for a monthly magazine in the past. So slightly more than half of these professionals at some point or another. from traditional journalism. Some of them might have been also blogging at the same time as working at them. But yeah, uh, it's not a big surprise because the public publishing world has gone through such t- uh, tumultuous uh, uh, issues in the past few years. We've seen publication houses close down. Uh, we've seen companies really downsize. Oh, yeah. So those uh, with people... The, with the downfall of print and, and even, yes, yeah. the... the... The great paper revolution of 2009 uh, I made up. The- <laughs> um yeah, no, but no, there really has been a lot of, of uh, uh, you know, turnaround because yeah, we've yeah. seen a lot of layoffs, things like that. So um, journalists, many journalists have turned to uh, the blogging world because, I mean, that's th- that's where their skill set is. And this provides them the opportunity to continue the work that they've trained for and that they love. Yeah. And, and they still want to. I mean, people do still write and consume long form. I mean, I, I always tag them long reads uh, with with a tiny bit of, of ironic eyebrow involved uh, when I when I post links like this on Twitter. But, you know, it, it's as as busy as everybody is. I think that there is always going to be room for for a little bit of that of that good old blogging style. I agree. And uh, you know, it's it's about once a year. I think back in 2011, it was Inc. 500 reported that blogging had leveled off and was in decline among its its top companies. And you know, this this spawned an entire internet full of blogging is dead, OMG kind of kind of articles and buzz. And I think that what really summarizes that is Mitch Joel of Twist Image suggested. Is blogging dead or are useless blogs dying? Yeah. Yeah. I, there's still plenty of, of sites out there that I, I really consider blogs and they're doing quite well. And there's still a lot of people who are independently blogging. But I think they do get, you know, people get weeded out. Like if you don't get a lot of visitors to your blog, it could mean one of many things. It might just mean that your blog has low visibility. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a poor writer or anything like that. It just means that you know, people are having a hard time finding your voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could mean that you're not a great writer. I mean, it's <laughs> it's something that's a possibility. It could be that you know, you're know you not striking a chord. And when I say you, I don't mean you, listener. I'm sure you are an amazing or writer. Or me, Lauren, hopefully, hypothetically. Uh, I, yeah. So, but yeah, and, and if you're wondering why we even brought this up, the reason why we brought it up is that, 
uh, uh, one of the social platforms I'm on that I'm sure many of our listeners are on uh, is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And uh, every now and then, you know, LinkedIn gave you the ability to endorse people for certain skills. Right. And I, I had received some responses about people endorsing me for different things. And I thought, you know, I hardly ever do that. And I really should. I should pay it forward because I know a lot of these people and I know what they're capable of. I should endorse them for the things I know that they do. Absolutely. I could not believe how many of my my links listed blogging as one of their skills. Wow. Like, like. It was you know, back, I, back when I made a resume saying that you had uh, proficiency in Microsoft Office was the thing. Today, it looks like it's blogging. Wow. That you just I, I, I'm not sure if you if you told me this before about this, this genesis of this topic. I have forgotten it completely because this is actively blowing my mind. Yeah. It was just one of those things where as I was going down endorsing people for the stuff I knew, because I mean, I'm only going to endorse them for the stuff I know that they do. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I, my credibility is something I take very seriously, despite all, <laughs> despite all outward appearances. Um, but yeah, I was, I was going through and I'm just like, wow, I have never known this person. I mean, I'm sure they have blogged, but I, I but am, I'm I unfamiliar not, with their work. I didn't know that that was one of their like top five professional qualities. Yeah, and right. that, and it was it was repeatedly popping up. I think yes, it almost man. became like the the catch all. Like, oh, I better throw blogging in there. Huh. I mean, yeah, that's that's crazy to me. I mean, you know, certainly not begrudging anyone who does it because a lot of people are way more serious about blogging than I am. I've always used it as a very personal, very hobbyist kind of thing. Uh, most of the time, I'm talking about things that are completely off color or ridiculous, or I'm just talking about octopi. I don't know. You know, it, it's nothing. Well, nothing... octopus. An octopus can change its color. So and shape and texture. That's true. Very quickly. Less than a second. You clearly have blogged about this. <laughs> no, I, I was the same way. Like I was using – until I worked for How Stuff Works, I would use blogs essentially to – I'd have some ridiculous thought mm-hmm. and I would have feel like a, a compulsion to post it somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I honestly haven't gone back and visited. The other thing is that when I visited those old blog posts, I would read them and think, man, I used to be funny. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm like that every five years. Every five years, I can go back and look at what I did five years ago and think, man, what happened? I used to be, I used to be really good. Well, I just, I just don't remember anything that I've written more than three days ago. Yeah, so that's I'm, why I have to go back and reread it's like, it. It's like a goldfish. I'm like, oh man, this is great. Oh man, this is great. Well, we think blogging's great. We there are a lot of blogs that I visit on a regular basis, and whenever I discover a new one, I'm always excited. Uh, there's a couple of regional ones that I go to all the time here in Atlanta because uh, it's a great way of keeping up with. Of, uh, news about various communities and uh, when that Mexican restaurant's finally going to open. Um, it's a topic that we're really interested in, but if you guys have any topics you think that we should cover, I highly recommend you get in touch with us. Our email address is textup at discovery.com or you can get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook. Our handle there is HSW. And Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 